Hey everyone, it's Kevin O'Connor. AKA Kevin O'Bomber. AKA Kevin O'Concert. Kevin! Wait a minute, you're not Chris Vernon. No, Kevin. Sadly, I'm not as cherubic or as raspy as Verno, but it is I, J. Kyle Mann. And folks, basketball has been and continues to be so very good. That's exactly why Kyle and I are hosting a brand new basketball show on a brand new podcast feed, The Ringer's NBA Draft Show. We're going to have you covered every week as we go in-depth and deep dive in hopes of answering an ever-important question in the NBA. Who's got next? Whether it's an international phenom like Victor Wimbanyama, or the G League Scoot Henderson, or stars from Overtime Elite like Amen Thompson, as well as a full-blown swarm of talented prospects from the promising 2023 NBA draft class. For sure, Kyle. And we're also going to get into players from the college ranks because this is a loaded class for us to discuss prospects rising and falling. And we're going to revisit and redraft recent draft classes and get into how the league's evolution could help inform what's valuable in a prospect of the future. This is a podcast for a fan of every team, whether you're losing and have high draft lottery odds or you're looking for sleepers later in the draft. We're going to be covering everything in the months to come, so please make sure you follow and subscribe to the Ringer NBA Draft Show. And hit us with those five-star ratings. It's the mismatch presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filtered by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page in the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus in person select dates. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Tired of paying for cable TV? Switch to Hulu Plus Live TV today to watch over 95 live channels for sports, news, shows, and more. Plus, you'll get access to Hulu's entire streaming library with access to Disney Plus and ESPN Plus all in one plan. No long-term contract, no hidden fees, and no clunky cable box. Get Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me as he does every Tuesday from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Cannabis, Kevin O'Blazarian, Kevin How is your Tuesday going? Everything's great. So we're recording this on Monday night. Yes, for everybody it's not actually out Tuesday. There. <laughs> not actually Tuesday yet. What we're going to do is we've had about, most of the teams have played around 12 games. Uh, so far this season. So today, we are going to give you 12 things that we like and dislike. We have put together three each. This is for the NBA season up to this point. And I, I'll tell you this. I, we did not go in-depth when you and I talked about this before the show. Not at all. I tried to mention some stuff 
that I have not talked about on the show yet, right? We end up talking about the same subject so many times just because that's the nature of NBA news. Um, so I wanted to give some special shout outs to maybe some subjects that have not talked about as in depth and, and likewise on the dislike side, things that I probably haven't mentioned uh, before. And I'm sure that yours are going to be different also. Hopefully we do not overlap because in the interest of making this as fresh as we could, we did not convene on what we had for our three likes and dislikes. So it's very important who goes first because in case there is overlap, one of us is going to get busted out. Mm. So I will let you choose. Do you want to go first or do you want to go second? I'll go first. I knew it. Go ahead. Are you doing like? Let's do a like. Uh, okay, sure. We'll start with a like. All right. Uh, all right. We'll start with something that happened over the weekend. I really like Joel Embiid, uh, his development after the slow start that he had. He, he had the 59-point bomb on the Jazz. And I mean, like there was literally nothing Utah could do, nothing he could they could do against him. And I felt like watching the game, it was a culmination of all the work he's put in over the years, but especially the summer, because I reported back in June that what he was working on this offseason was more of a perimeter game, you know, attacking on drives to the basket, pull ups, stuff in transition. And we saw him against Utah use step backs from the elbows hang dribbles on drives to the basket, pump fakes to get into his pull-up going left or right. And this season, he had the slow start, you know, dealing with plantar fasciitis, but he's more fluid than ever on jumpers, more fluid than ever on drives to the rim. And it shows in the numbers too, because granted, we're dealing with small sample sizes here. He's shooting 49%, Chris, on dribble jumpers this year. That's according to Second Spectrum. That's up from 40% over the last two seasons. So maybe that number falls over the course of the year, but his mid-range jumper is on fire more than it, it ever has been. He's driving to the basket over six times per game, up from five last year, four the year before. He's driving more than ever, shooting better than ever. And B looks like better than he did last year when he was second in MVP voting. And I, that's what I like maybe more than anything this year because how does this guy continue to improve even more? Yeah, we're midway through November. Now, I think it's only four games that he's played so far in the month, but he's averaging 40 points a game. Oh, that's absurd. He's averaging 40 now. And now, of course, a 59 will do a lot for your average. (laughs) (laughs) It's not like the other games weren't high up there either, though. 42 against Atlanta? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 101 over the weekend. Yeah. Uh, Tell me you saw the Maxi quote about Doc. Oh, yeah. Wanted to run a pick and roll. I mean, I, I don't think it was an intentional shot, but I know. I mean, the way it read, it was like, of course, the player has a better idea than Doc Rivers. Yeah. <laughs> Ty- Tyrese Maxey was like, you know what? This seems to be working really well. Where <laughs> exactly. I just give it to him. So, two things on the flip side of that, just as we're talking about Embiid, we figured <laughs> out the one thing that Utah has a massive problem with. While Utah has been an amazing story thus far this year, they really have nobody to throw at the Joel Embiid's of the mm. world, right? There was, there's nobody, and, and even when you look up and down the roster, it's like, all right, who should we try here? Kelly Olenek, Laurie Market, like it's, it's a fool's errand. That, that is one spot where they really have nothing. They don't even have like some big stiff just sitting on the bench that you could go in there and try to, like, use six fouls on the guy or something. Like, that is one thing. The second thing is, 
It took every bit of that 59 to knock off the damn Jazz. <laughs> like, they are a menace still. And I'm watching that at the end of the game. I mean, that's a that, that's one of those games where the, the, the clutch time stats are getting recorded because it's a five-point game within, yeah. w- within the last couple of minutes of the game, right? That was not out of hand. And you would think, if I told you Joel Embiid scored 59, you'd think they demolish someone and in fact they needed every bit of it but he he went through this span last year prior to the Harden trade where you know he put up really freaky numbers he was right there at the top of the MVP um voting you know that they, they were doing within the season when Tim Bontemps always does his MVP voting uh column that he puts together and so Embiid was that last year you know it bothered him not being in the mix uh, in a real, real way last year. It's kind of like split. Jokic kind of ran away with it. And so I'm sure that this year he'd love nothing more than to cement himself. But he has just been, when he gets like that, and like that is obviously extreme. It was a career high, but good night. I mean, we've talked about before, Kev. He could be the best player in the NBA. Hundred percent. Really can. Absolutely. Can I mean, he 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 said I interviewed him in 2016, 17. and that year he says I want to be a point guard, right? <laughs> and like it was kind of funny, right, to hear him say that he's a seven footer, you know, two hundred eighty pounds, whatever he is. But I mean, the development over the years, he's not a point guard in the playmaking sense. But man, like that dude, the way he can move with the ball in his hands, it's very guard or wing like, and uh, I like he's he's better. He's better, and I, I'm buying the uptick. Be, and the reason why I buy it, despite the small sample, is because he's gotten better every single season. Why would you not believe it? This is, he's always he always puts the work in, and we're seeing all of the results right now carry over with performances like that, where he's just pulling up, turning around, doing whatever it takes to score and pulverizing teams inside because he can still do that too, and dominating on defense. I mean, it's special, man. He he's a hell of a talent. My first like, oh, you're going to love this one, Jose Alvarado. Oh, yeah, I love it. So <laughs> I tweeted about him over the weekend, and I happened to be watching that Pelicans-Rockets game. It had gotten close in the third quarter, and then the Rockets were up like eight, I think, towards the beginning of the fourth quarter. The Rockets kind of had built a little bit of a lead. And it was like, you had unleashed a pit bull that had not eaten in three days <laughs> in the middle of that game. Very rarely will you see somebody have the profound impact that I watch. And I look, Houston sucks, okay? And they're a mess. That being said, it looked like this was hurtling towards a very, very disappointing loss for the Pelicans. And this guy came in there, and they went on the run of all runs, and you saw the energy in that building, and you saw the energy of that team go up 50-fold, all right? And I'm sitting there watching it, and I could not help but think as I'm watching this game, I'm going, they got to start this guy. They've got to start this guy. I've talked to you so many times, Kevin, about how there's a balance to teams. There's stars and there's role players. 
This guy clearly knows he's a role player. There's a great article that just came out today on CBS Sports. I'd encourage people to read. It's by uh, James Herbert. He got all kinds of quotes from all kinds of people about Alvarado. Um, You know, he's got quotes in there from Van Vliet. He's got quotes in there from his G League coach. He's got quotes in there from Larry Nance. All kinds of stuff. It's really, really good. We love Larry Nance at the ringer. Love him. And one of those things that was mentioned in there is that, you know, at practices, he's that guy. He's that guy that starts cussing somebody out. He's that guy that starts trash talking. He's like consistently raising the level of those guys. And he mentioned in the article, and I thought this was very fascinating, because when I say the balance, right, stars and role players and somebody's got to not need the ball, that Pelican starting lineup has been really weird to me. CJ's not a point guard. I know they're trying to make it to him. I know the quotes are great. He's not going to be at his best in that role, okay, it, having to initiate the offense. But when you see Alvarado out there, he had this number in his article, James Herbert did. They've played 128 minutes so far this season with that backcourt. They are outscoring their opponents by 17 points per 100 possessions. And I know he's leading the second unit. I know you like that change. You know, if you're the coach, you like that change of pace, whatever. But you're constantly having to go to mixing and matching this because your starting lineup is not your closing lineup virtually ever. And many times your starting lineup's not, you got one defender in that thing and you really have one role player in that thing in that being Herb Jones. He's the only one that doesn't need shots, can just kind of do dirty work stuff or keep the ball moving or cut to the basket, whatever. You know, all those other guys are scorers by nature. That's what they're best at doing. And just having him out there running the offense and just watching him the other night, um, everybody, I tweeted out, everybody needs a player like that. Everybody. You know, and, and whether that is We've talked about it with Pepe. We've talked about it with Caruso. We've talked about sometimes sometimes it's the best player on the team that can provide that energy. But when you saw that was a a bunch of guys that are too cool for school, they ain't diving on the floor for anything. They're not raising the level of intensity. And this guy, like 100 million miles an hour at all times, I think he's shooting 48% on catch and shoot three. So, I mean, he's not, he's not like some kind of, he's a good player, a really good player. And I think that what we're going to find is that as the season goes on, he bullies his way into that, into that lineup, into that starting lineup. And I think it makes a little more sense having CJ playing off of him. But I I wanted to give this guy a shout out. He even said in the article, one of the, one of the things was, Every time I read about the guy, I love him more. You know, him working his way up, him trying to introduce himself to the 18 teams he worked out for. In in high school, he had a quadruple double with 10 steals. And then he kind of goes through the whole, like, Grand Theft Alvarado and the hiding in the corner thing, and which he almost got in a damn fist fight over at the end of that Houston game, by the way, because he stole the ball and Kevin Porter, I thought was going to, I thought Kevin Porter was going to punch the guy. But here's another one about, uh, you know, kind of what this guy is. So he's watching videos of Tony Parker. He like wanted to learn 
from Tony Parker and like watching him do pick and rolls or watching him do whatever. And you know what he did? He friggin' DM'd Tony Parker to reach out to him. Next thing you know, he got to go work out with Tony Parker out in Las Vegas. And Tony Parker like took him under his wing and tried to like help him out. Sometimes all, all you got to do is shoot your shot. No, I know. And it, it, it's like this guy, this guy is like the ultimate underdog. Really, truly. I can't imagine how an- annoying it is to play oh, against him. Oh, the worst, the worst. <laughs> he is. He's one of those guys that you hate him if he's on the other team. But man, I was as I was watching him, I can't help but respect it. Because Question fighter. for you, Chris, though, after everything you said there, who does he start over? Or is it finishing? Does he finish over CJ? Are they playing small ball without Valanchunas out there? Yeah. But can you, do you have any interior, you, you don't have any interior defense if it's not Valanchunas. I think there's a an issue there if you want it him is. to finish. I know. So are you saying you're going to be benching CJ in the games? Well, then where's your perimeter shot creation? Are you no, you don't have, on, no, 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 you don't have to, you don't have to bench CJ. So it's Valanchunas. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you have to, if you, if you. But then you have no height, no size. They don't rebound or block anything at the rim anyway. Well, that's the problem. I mean, you, <laughs> you know you, what I mean? You, we talked about Miles Turner last week as a trade target for them. Well, at least at point of attack, this guy can guard. Oh, he's unbelievable. This guy can guard and he can wreck your offense. Truly. Yeah. He can wreck your offense. He's absolutely unbelievable. One yeah, of the best no, defenders look, in all of basketball. Look, and if you want to bring Herb off as a as a role player guy off the bench, you can. If you if you're just insistent on keeping Ingram, Zion, and McCollum. I, I, I think the key thing is is the two best guys, Ingram and Zion. Ingram has already stepped up a lot on defense. He's gotten better. His effort's more like it was that last year in L.A. Zion still needs to get tremendously better on defense. As we talked about last week, we don't need to hit that again. Um, but if you are going to have Alvarado out there instead of Herb Jones or instead of the size Valanciunas provides, yeah. Zion is like more than anybody else. Like You got to step up, dude. Like You really got to. That's for sure. Yeah, but uh, I want to give a shout out to Alvarado because glad you geez, did. He's awesome. Yeah, he that was he was a force of nature, man. Yeah, force of nature. When I interviewed Zion for the Pelicans thing, he he said to me how with Alvarado, it, it reminds me of Trey Jones in college. How, oh, like, interesting. Tra- Trey used to set a tone and inspire him to play defense. And I mean, like we haven't we haven't seen that inspiration too often from Zion, but y- you'd hope he starts doing it. Sometimes it can bring the best out of you. Yeah. You know what I mean? The NBA season is underway, and it's a perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. And plus, FanDuel is the only sports book that's giving all customers three months of NBA League Pass when they make a $5 bet on the NBA. On the FanDuel Sportsbook app, you can combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with same-game parlays, whether it's with the money line, point spreads, player props, and plus with live betting, you'll get updated odds on games that have already started. But if you don't want to bet on games, you can always focus on the awards, MVP, futures, rookie of the year, whatever it might be. The FanDuel Sportsbook app has everything on there. It's safe secure, and super easy to use. So download FanDuel today and use promo code MISMATCH to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Make every moment more this season with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. 
21 plus in select states. First online real money wager only. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, and Virginia. Call 1-800-GAMBLE. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Connecticut, call 1-888-789-7777. In Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. In Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK. In Tennessee, call redline 1-800-889-9789. In Wyoming, call 1-800-522-4700. In West Virginia, visit 1800gambler.net. All right, what's your first dislike? My first dislike. So there's a stat, Chris. Second Spectrum says uh, 15 players this season have defended at least 300 pick and rolls as the screener defender. The bottom five are five, Mason Plumley, four, Jonas Valanciunas, three, DeMontis Sabonis, two, Carl Anthony Towns, and one, Nikola Vucevic who is my choice here for my first dislike because Vucevic has frustrated me on a near nightly basis this season that I've been watching the Bulls. Last week against the Raptors, Christian Coloco had open dunk after open dunk, lob after lob, because Vooch was just so ineffective at covering the pick and roll, then recovering to the roller. Coloco was just flying over the top of the defense, no one near him. Last week against the Pelicans, he gave the ref a middle finger, <laughs> which is kind of funny. Uh, then against the Nuggets the other night, just a few minutes into the first quarter, there's this pick and pop the Nuggets ran with Jokic. And Vooch, the way he moved, it looked like he was the, at the end of like the, the 45th minute on the floor. It's like a couple minutes into the game. And he takes two you know uninspired steps towards Jokic, who had popped behind the perimeter, stops, and just lets Jokic go by on a drive to the basket. And like that play for me summarized everything that I've seen from Vooch on defense this season. This guy is just not putting in consistent effort, and he just also just isn't effective at getting stops. So for the Bulls, you got DeRozan, who's crushing again. You got Zach Levine, who's really good. You got some young talent on your team. You got good role players like Caruso. Ayodo Sunmu coming up getting better. And Vooch feels like the guy who's holding them back from being what they could be. So if the Bulls intend on making the most of this core and competing and trying to make the playoffs, they got to get rid of Vooch ASAP or they're going to waste it away. Because it's weird because they kind of got something going too with the, uh, when I was looking at the plus minus stats, you know who's way high up at plus minus this year are the Caruso and Dragic. Yes. Both those guys. And so they got something they got something going There's there. There's some good things going there with Chicago. Yeah. There's some good trends. You know, as soon as you were describing that, you know what ran through my head? I was trying to think of the player and I and it's so it's so crazy that there are similarities in the old school, you remember the old Billy Donovan clip? Oh, with can't, oh, can't, can't play, play Canner. Billy Donovan's a coach there. Like, he's I been know. through this before. Yep. But it, well, I, I, can't you see that playing out in the playoffs? 100%. It's like, I, I, can't, I can't play this. He is a better canter right now. Drummond has been better well, and, for and, the and, Bulls. And, and, and without the Fox News appearances. <laughs> yeah, but no distractions <laughs> with Booch, at least. Hopefully. <laughs> Not yet. Zip it. <laughs> All right. My first dislike. Oh, Kevin. Now, this is something we have talked about, but I have to bring it up because the tweet got a lot of attention that I sent out on Friday night. 
when I was watching uh, Minnesota in person. I retweeted this, I think, right? It yeah. is this, it's this Minnesota team, Kevin, and you and I have spoken like, hey, can they get this right? Is this still just kind of growing pains? What's going to happen here? And after seeing it in person, no way. Hmm. No way. And let me just expand. So for those that didn't see, I said it's jarring to watch them because I had just seen them four or five months ago in a playoff series against Memphis. Now, keep in mind, Kevin, a Memphis team that was really, really good that Minnesota had dead. Minnesota was up 26 on them like twice. At one point, Malik Beasley was like, we should we should be up 3-1 in this series or we should already won this series. And I was like, you know what? He's right. Like, they should have. They, And they're that close. They're that close. And they would have given Golden State some problems. They wouldn't have won the series. But they could have won a couple games off of them. And then you probably would have thought about it all different. But they sold out to do this Gobert move. And forget what I thought about it basketball-wise, right? A lot of the things are playing out the, the way I thought, which are you don't want Towns consistently having to guard fours and being guarded by fours. Like, even the other night, Santi Aldama and Brandon Clark both had really good games. And I don't think that that's some coincidence. Beyond that, at watching those guys, A, the lack of effort, but also, more importantly, it's it's not even... I can't even say the word chemistry because there is, you have to see it to believe it. They don't talk to each other. They don't talk to each other. And you you and, really saw that in the building too. Like you're able to look at their bench the whole time, not just TV cameras and all that. Well, well look, Gobert is either looking at the ref or looking at his teammate every time somebody scores at the rim. The Grizzlies despite the fact going up against modern-day Bill Russell, had almost 70 points in the paint. And every time, he's looking around, like, pointing at somebody else. They're pointing at him. So, like, you've got, like, D'Angelo Russell, who stinks, by the way. But at one point, Brandon Clark, uh, you know, uh, goes in and gets a dunk on the baseline. Rudy looks at, uh, at D'Lo. D'Lo looks at Rudy. They're, like, both with their hands in the air. Anthony Edwards is at the top, like, looking for chicks in the crowd. and. <laughs> then they walk over to the bench, and as they walk oh, to the gotta, bench, gotta love those Memphis girls, huh? Yeah, right. As they <laughs> as they walk to the bench, Rudy goes and tries to talk to D'Angelo Russell. Russell just literally turns his back to him and walks away. And I'm like, this is this is untenable. At one point. Rudy's going up and he's talking to the ref. Like, I can't remember what he's bitching. And and Anthony Edwards is like, Rudy, shut up. <laughs> it's Anthony Edwards. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I watch this team on a string. Like, Malik Beasley's flying at you and Vanderbilt and Pat Bev. And then they had these. And then Edwards is like this runaway freight train. And they were terrifying. As someone who's rooting for the other team, they were terrifying in the playoff. And then to watch it, I, I felt bad. No lie. For, as annoying as T-Wolves fans were towards me during the playoffs, I felt bad for them because it was unrecognizable. 
absolutely unrecognizable. And they are so out of sorts. And I know they got that win at Cleveland without Mitchell and, 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 and Jared Allen. But I'm telling you, with the way they interact, one of the things that still gave up 124 that day, yeah. by the way. One of the things that's important is when when you're at these arenas, it's all the dead time. It's all the times where you can watch kind of who's who's the leader, who's talking to everybody. And man, they're just five guys doing going their own separate ways and all just frustrated with nobody with any kind of answer to how it's going to get fixed. And you could tell, you know, Ant can't stand Rudy. Like, it's it's so visible. Like, the body language and the interactions between these guys is just terrible. It's, all, it's terrible. And I just, I mean, look, I had the prediction that I did not think they were going to be better. I obviously hated the trade. But after seeing it, I don't know how you fix that. I don't know how you fix that because it seems like they're all just resentful of their plight now. And I'm sure Gobert feels that way too, you know? And then you got Chris Finch to try to figure it out and he keeps trying to say the right things. And I don't know, man. What would be the first thing know. you do? Is it just get rid of D'Lo for whatever it takes? Is it is it swallow your losses and flip Gobert somewhere else? Like what would you do in the GM spot for the Wolves? I would you would you keep it going and like just see how it develops by February? Are you like out, 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 out on it? I mean, look, you've got to stick with it now. You've got to give it every chance. And it's not to me. Because it could be serious growing pains. It could be. I think I think the basketball fit is bad. Okay. I do think it's bad. But could it be better? Could they start to get used to playing a way that makes everybody at their best? Yeah, because in in theory it could be. No, they're Gobert, never Gobert, get... Gobert is one of the best rollers in basketball. Cat is one of the best pick and pop players in basketball. You pair them with Ant or D'Lo, that feels like on paper they can't shoot. Yeah, I mean, with you got Gobert, you got a on defense. You got to have a defense that funnels everything to this guy, and on offense, you got to five shooters. You got to five guys that can knock down shots. And they don't even play. I know they have guys that can theoretically knock down shots, you know, but they don't have shooters. They're leaders in, in three-point attempts. Just pulled it open. Anthony Edwards, 6.9 per game, 34%. D'Lo, 5.9 per game, 33%. Cat, 5.6 per game, 37%. Jalen Noel, 3.9, 31%. Prince at 42%. McDaniels at 36 Nas Reed at 30 Bryn Forbes not even shooting the ball well, 29%. A lot of underperformers there. Well, the only thing he can do is get a putback or finish a lob, and that's if he catches it. Rudy. Yes. He can't, he can't dribble, pass, or shoot. The, the benefit of Rudy is the, the gravity of him pulling the defense into the paint because of his rolling. The issue is, is that you're seeing teams switch more often D'Lo's struggling a lot. He's been terrible. And Ant's just having a hard time adjusting to playing with a player like Rudy Gobert. I mean, Ant is so young. I, I think he's going to get better in that regard. D'Lo, I mean, I don't know what's going on there, man. He just he just seems like a, a lost cause in this situation, which is unfortunate because theoretically it feels like it could work with him because he can play on and off the ball. It's just not working. Then Cat, I mean, he's whining all the time. 
Yeah, I'm more worried about the personality mix Very than fair. I am. Yeah. The ba- you know what I mean? Even if the basketball thing, you know, Cat's could get a better baby than it on is. the court a lot of the time. Like, he complains about every call. He's pointing fingers. And I uh, love Cat. Like, I've defended Cat for years, man, and talked about how they're going to feed him the ball more often. Why is this guy not getting 17, 18, 19 shots per game? For years, I've been saying that. But I'm like, I'm so tired of the act on the court late recently. Like it does, that does not set a positive example for your team as one of the best players on the roster. Like, you, you have to be more composed. Yeah. It just, I don't know, man. Can you imagine the stuff he's saying in the locker room behind uh, closed doors about this situation? Yeah. You know, I mean, like, geez. Oh, no. Uh, look, there were, uh, my, my producer covers the locker rooms for, uh, for uh, you know, after the games for post game radio. And so, I mean, this isn't speaking out of school. This wasn't like in the locker room type of stuff. This is in the hallway where everybody is, out in the hallway. And he's walking by and Kat is saying to like a group of his friends, I'm a two-time All-Star, aren't I? I'm a two-time All-Star. I thought I was. Was I not? I thought I was a two-time All-Star. I mean, this is after the game. Like loud enough to where people could hear if you were walking by, like strangers walking by. So obviously he didn't care. If everybody's hearing it. Type of thing. Maybe he wants people to hear it. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. So, I mean, yeah, there's just this level of disconnect. It's like a resentful thing. It's like they're all resentful. And I'm telling you, man, they were close. They did not have to change very much. And then just bank on the ant ascent. Because he was on his way. Yeah, but like what we were talking about, how close were they really when we're talking about the immaturity of Cat and Ant and D'Lo? Like, were they really that close with those three guys? No, but there, you just is there feel, centerpieces? You take, you, look, you decide, and uh, look, let me juxtapose it against the other team I was watching, which is Memphis, okay? One of the things I'll give Memphis credit for is every decision made is based upon how does this fit with John Moran? Here is the future of our franchise. Here is what we're building around. What is the best way to get the apex performance out of him? What are the type of players that are best to surround him with? What's the type of center we need? So they trade for Steven Adams. They can, like, guys die on screens, right? What are the kind of shooting guard I need? So now I can kick it out to Desmond Bain. What's the kind of small forward that I need? What's the kind of four I need? Oh, I've already got Jaron Jackson who can stand in the corner and stretch the floor. Back Tuesday night for him. Yeah. And so it's like all the decisions are made towards the future of your franchise. And they did literally the opposite. Yeah, but how is Gobert not a good on-paper fit with Anthony Edwards? Because like, he it's has the, it's to the be. Same, it's the same in, reason Adams is a good fit with John Moran because he sets some of the best screens in basketball. He rolls hard at the rim. He's selfless. He plays hard on defense. He's in good position. He rebounds like crazy. I, 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 it's a, I, I, it's a good fit for Ant if he just embraces it. To me, it's it's not a good fit with Ant and D'Lo and Cat. Like that, that's what makes it not a good fit. Maybe it happened. I don't remember. They, they should what, trade Cat if they trade anybody, which is what I, which is where this could end up be going because they're not trading Gobert. They're not going to flip you, him. I'll tell you this, I. I don't. I don't remember a time where Gobert set a screen for Anthony Edwards. They're, not, they're not using him nearly as often. I don't as a know screener. if it's ever it happened. So weird. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if that's ever happened. It's not part of their offense. So I mean, that thing that you're talking about, I would much rather just have that spaced out. That's why I thought Towns at five was devastating. Towns at five opens it up. There's nothing you can do. You can't have a guy in the paint if the center 
is at the three-point line. For what it's worth, Gobert has screened uh, 114 times for Edwards this year, 9.5 times per game. They're scoring only .83 points per pick and roll with the Edwards-Gobert combination, which is not good. Well, because Ant Camp, he's not a playmaker. He's not a playmaker, and they just have they have no feel with each other right now. There's no chemistry. The best pass Edwards has made is still yet to come. <laughs> you know, what I mean? very fair. Like, yeah. Have you ever seen an Anthony Edwards pass highlight? <laughs> it doesn't, can't, it's can't like, recall off the top of my no, head. No. It's like the Loch Ness monster that exists. <laughs> it's in the it's on the dark web. <laughs> just to put it into perspective, you know, last year Conley and Gobert scored. 1.01 points. Mitchell and Gobert scored 1.04 points. So, I mean, like that's that's like really good. Like that's like 75th, you know, ish percentile. Yeah. Edwards Gobert are just terrible right now. Yep. All right. What's your first uh, or what's your next dislike? Let me give you my next like. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's yeah, go yeah. to like. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. we've like. done yeah. one each. That's yeah. right. I'm really liking the amazing three point shooting performers this season because we've got a number of them. There's been only one player in NBA history that has shot over 45% on seven-plus three-pointers per game. That's Stephen Curry in 2013 and 2016. There are four players doing that right now. Four in this young season. Your guy, Desmond Bain, 45.1% on eight-and-a-half attempts per game. Kevin Herter on 50% from three on 7.5 attempts per game. Michael Porter Jr., 46.3% on 7.3 attempts. And then Spencer Dinwiddie, 45.9% on 7.1 attempts. All four of those guys. Dinwiddie looking all the way back to being himself after a horrible start in Washington last year, getting traded to Dallas. Michael Porter Jr. missing basically the entire season with the back injury, all the way back to being himself, if not better. Kevin Herter, first year out of Atlanta now in Sacramento, playing the best basketball of his life next to De'Aaron Fox in that backcourt. And then Desmond Bain, 25-5, and looking like an all-star an all-NBA candidate, getting even better again, looking at most improved player of the year candidate once again with an even more impressive leap considering the fact he's scoring with such volume, playmaking more, and doing it next to John Moran and helping elevate that Grizzlies team. All four of those guys, Bain, Herter, Porter, Dinwiddie, I'm loving watching them do what only Steph has done before. Only Steph Curry ever has done that. Yeah, huh? 45%. Or better from three on seven plus attempts per game from three. Only guy ever. Wow. And now there's four doing it. All right. Well, my next like, I might as well play off the herder thing. Because it's a guy. Herder, hell yeah. No, it's the guy next to him. He's he's living up to it, Kevo. De'Aaron Fox. (laughs) Looking like your guy. All my stock, (laughs) 25.5 points per game, five rebounds, six assists, 55% from the field. 38% 38% from three, 83% from the free throw line. He's only 24 years old, and he is leading the league in clutch scoring. It's one of been one of the knocks. Oh, down the stretch, you know, can you trust De'Aaron Fox? De'Aaron Fox has more points in clutch scoring situations than any player in the entire NBA. Number two is Donovan Mitchell. Number three, Steph Curry. Number four, Luka Doncic. Number five, Desmond Bain. Bain's shooting 50% in the clutch. Luka's shooting 44% in the clutch. Curry is shooting 48% in the clutch. Donovan Mitchell's shooting 42% in the clutch. De'Aaron Fox is shooting 64% 
in clutch situations. And he's been in the most of them of any player. I think he's played more clutch minutes than any player. And he's shooting the best percentage and scoring the most points. At the beginning of the season, after they had started like hell, I came on the mismatch and I told you I'm not panicking at all. I had just watched them and I was like, and they got good players. They're like, they're going to figure this thing out. They had lost to some good teams. And had some BS calls at the end of games. They did. Right. Multiple times. Man, I'm feeling good about it. I'm feeling good about Fox as a possible all-star. I'm feeling good about that streak being broken. I got a lot of stock in this Kings team. And and by the way, for anybody that hasn't watched them on League Pass, they are fun to watch, man. Oh, they're so fun, man. They are fun. Keegan Murray looks like he's been in the league for two decades already. He's savvy. He plays with next to Fox. They're like the, All the pieces just fit. Sabonis, such a funky player like he's always been. I mean, they, they got a... They got such a nice mix, man. Yeah, and Fox is kind of, he's, you know, so it's different timelines. This is year six. It's year six. He's got a real coach, and he's got real players around him. Like, for one of the first times. Really since, like, the Dave Yeager. Since that last year of Yeager. Where they had a, they had a chance. Like, they were, you know. They're under 500 still, but I mean, like they weren't out of the mix completely. Um, and then really like these, these last, these last couple of years, Walton and then Gentry, I mean, they're just pissed away, truly pissed away seasons. Like they didn't have good enough teams or good enough coaches. Now they got like a real roster and they got a real coach and, uh, they've been fun to watch. I've liked it. I've liked it. They've gotten. They've gotten back going, and they're. I'm, I'm happy for the fans in Sacramento because God knows they've been to hell and back over the last 17 years. They got something real to root for right now. Yeah, it's fun. They do. If nothing else, it's yeah. an entertaining product. I want to go up there for a game this season. I've never been to Sacramento. I haven't either. I, I want to go. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What's your next dislike? We've talked about this at the beginning of the season, and at that time, the conversation was different than it will be right now. Trey Young's off-ball movement. Um, early in the season, Trey Young was running off screens more than double the time he ever was before. On the ringer, I wrote a little blurb about it in one of my seven observations articles, and at the time, he was coming off of screens 11.2 times per game, according to Second Spectrum, and over the past seven games, that's down to 3.4, which is even less than it was last season. He's just completely inactive off the ball, no movement, not coming off of screens like he did in, at Oklahoma or in high school and has shown that he can do at an extremely high level, whether it's shooting threes or attacking the basket. I'm just very, very frustrated watching that. And granted, as we record right now, the Hawks are up on the Bucks, and I haven't watched any of this tonight because we've been recording the podcast. Trey seems to be having a good game looking at the box score, so maybe they get the dub. Um, but I get, from a process standpoint, win or lose, I, I'm just perplexed why we haven't seen more of that in Atlanta's offense. To me, that's something that could bite them sometime down the line. Yeah, one of the things, when he was first coming out of Oklahoma and I was talking to all manner of scouts getting ready for uh, you know, try to put my ideas all together. One of the things I remember, uh, 
one of the really smart guys that I talked to said, is he good enough to turn everything over to? Because that's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to turn everything over to him. You know, and obviously there's some guys that, James Harden, good enough to turn everything over to. Luka Doncic, good enough to turn everything over to. And I think... Trey is too. I mean, Trey's unbelievable. Yeah, he's unbelievable. He averaged 30 points a game and they went to the East Finals. And yeah, now... he's fantastic. It, well, I mean, is DeJounte the one that should be... Can, can DeJounte be great as the off-ball guy? Right? Like, the, there's this onus on Trey needing to be the guy because they brought in another guy that can handle the ball. But, I mean... I, I think this idea that Trey could be like Curry and he's going to no, no, run no, around, no, no, he's going to no, no, run not, off not screens. Like Curry, and he's, not, like, not like Curry, but do what he did in college. Like, he, he did this in college. He had like the he, ball he, in college I, all I know, the time. Like, I know, but, like, you can watch he his film in college. He was coming off screens, shooting threes, attacking closeouts off those screens. Like, he could, he could do this, and he did do it with more frequency than he ever does now. That's a long did. time ago. It was a long time ago. It was. <laughs> I mean, and, and after been becoming, in the for a long time. Of course. You have, and and, and after, be, after becoming the guy, Chris, you know, it's hard to go back to doing some of that other stuff for sure. He's, a, he's an unbelievable talent. He's an all-NBA guy. He's an all-star. He went to an East Finals, like you said. But you're also teammates with DeJounte Murray, who's a high-level passer, playmaker, creator. Like, to me, like, that's, that's how you maximize what this team can be. I get it, but all those guys, all those guys like that just stand around if they don't have the ball. Yeah. Luca stands around if he doesn't have the ball. Harden stands yeah, around yeah, but, if he doesn't have Luka, the ball. But Luca isn't like a 40% shooter off the catch. Right. Like Trey can be. Maybe. I don't know. Shit, he's shooting 30% now, isn't he? Yeah. No, <laughs> I mean, that's because he takes so many from 30 feet off the dribble. Even DeJounte <laughs> Murray, it's not like he's cutting off ball. It's just, I mean, to me, like more than anything else, like Atlanta might be nine and five after tonight. And like you, you can poke holes at what they are. They're near the top of the Eastern Conference. So like it shouldn't be complaining. You know, Hawks fans might be like, really? It's a negative thing. You're talking about us when we're this good this season. Yeah, we'll see how it plays out in the playoffs. That's my point. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Tired of paying for cable TV? Switch to Hulu Plus Live TV today to watch over 95 live channels for sports, news, shows, and more. Plus, you'll get access to Hulu's entire streaming library with access to Disney Plus and ESPN Plus all in one plan. No long-term contract, no hidden fees, and no clunky cable box. Get Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. My next dislike. So we were just talking about the Kings and I was saying that, you know, those pissed away seasons. And you could see these from a mile away. And 
this is on the flip side of that Pelicans game I told you I was watching. The, the, this Rockets thing just absolutely disgusts me. You're going to say something bad about Shengun? Dude, no. This whole operation <laughs> truly disgusts me. We're watching all over the NBA. These teams that, yeah, they're not good. They're probably going to tank at the end of the year. But they are putting together teams that can go out there, can compete, can get teach these guys how you're supposed to play basketball, share the ball. Win. I, I, we just lauded how you're getting picked off by teams, you know, Utah, who we didn't expect to be good, but also Indiana, also San Antonio, also some of these teams that we did not expect to be competitive at all. And they're shooting a bunch of threes, and they've got regularly 30 assists in a game, et cetera. And, you know, they've got veteran guys on their team that kind of teach these guys how to be professionals. I watch that operation, and I'm like, how can you do this to all these young, talented players? How? They have nobody there except Eric Gordon. That's it. Like, the, 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 what do they say? The, the crooks run the asylum. Like, it's crazy. It's crazy. They got these young guys. They do whatever the hell they want. The basketball is awful. And they have got so many talented young players. I love Javari, who's really struggled. He has coming not out of been the good. Game. Not no, shooting he has the not ball well good. at all. No. But Tari Eason and Jalen and Sengun and Porter Jr. And they so got you a like, bunch of- but like, but like, you like all these players. What's the issue then? The system? All of it is, yeah, dude, they got to have some veteran players that teach these guys how to play and have some kind of like, this is the way you play winning basketball. This is just an AAU team out there. It's I think it's fucking, I, it's stupid. I think it's gorgeous to no, watch. It's, it's awful. beautiful. It's beautiful tanking. It's horrendous. Lose a Rama for one bet, Yama. Well, <laughs> look, that is, I, I beg, <laughs> I beg to the Lord above that that poor kid does not get sent to that hellhole because that situation is gross. Gross. But what they're it, doing well, to those would kids. It, would it be gross with Wembenyama and Jabari Smith yes. and Shengun and Jalen Green? It would be gross then? D- dude, and Eason? D- those, like, like if, you, if you just chop off everything else and, and you... And None of those guys, those guys, that's not how this works. The coach will get fired, the GM will okay. get fired, and then the entire roster is going to be flipped over. That's what's going to exactly. happen. Exactly. 100%. So then you, you turn everything else over. You get rid of the coach. You, you get rid of your bottom 10 on the roster, and you got Shengun, Smith, Look, Green, Wembenyama. You are destroying. Sorry, Easton. Those de- are your, if you keep those five players and get rid of everybody no. else. You are destroying developmental years of these kids. Truly. I, You're I destroying it. I've seen it. I don't view it the same way with Jalen I've watched Green. it. I, I'm telling you as someone who's watched this happen, your career trajectory is totally different. Just get some real guys in there. Run a real system. Get some real veteran guys in there that can show these guys how to be professional basketball players. It's gonna, it's, it's gonna be funny when, when they trade away Eric Gordon. <laughs> I know. I know. I mean, they could really like teach Shengun and Eason and Jalen and all Shen-Gun's these guys. Bro, these are just stupid empty stats. They, like anybody could do it. They're running up and down the court with like chickens with their head cut off. 
And any whoever's got the ball shoots a ball. It's stupid. Sounds like some good high level tanking if you it's ask awful. me. Any any year with a transcendent franchise awful. league altering prospect to me. Yeah. Well, you, you so want you, you want to be bad. And also, yeah. by the way, if Brooklyn. Well, they have if an Brooklyn, 86% chance of not getting that. You know, not, not true if Brooklyn misses the playoffs because they also have the odds for Brooklyn, too. Because it's a pick that's Brooklyn's swapped. not going to miss the playoffs. They got Kevin Durant on oh. team. You never know. I do. Kevin Durant ruptured his Achilles two years ago. I get it. He's in his uh, mid-30s. Fine. Okay, so now we're going to bank on a, a ruptured Achilles? No, I'm not fine. saying that. I'm just saying that he's old and he's been and he's been injured. It's not like out of the question for him to miss two weeks here, two weeks there. Jalen Green, Shen Goon, uh, Eason, Jabari, all these kids deserve better. They all deserve better. They all deserve better. Send them off somewhere else if you want to tank. Just don't even play a season. Just go 0-80. Just go in 0-82 and give these kids a chance to go develop into non-losing basketball players because this will have a profound effect. Some are just going to be so talented they make it out of it, but those are few and far between. Do you, still, do you still feel that way about Joel Embiid and Jeremy Grant? and Joel Embiid never lost! And, and Robert Covington and some of the guys on those bad Sixers teams? Joel Embiid never lost. Yeah, he won like 25 games his first year. He wasn't year. part of the seven win. No, We're he wasn't trying part to of that lose one. every no. night. No, but he was part no. of the team that won like 25 games. That's the one I'm talking about. Some of the young players on that team. Did it matter for for like Rashawn Holmes? They for, also had for, some real players. For Sarich? Rashawn Holmes never done shit. <laughs> I'm what are you saying, talking about? I'm talking about like a deep bench guy. Dario like, Sarich? He's Dario still in the Sarich. league. It's not like Dar- he's playing in China right now. Where, where is Dario Sarich? He got hurt last year. Where is he now? Well, Sarich got hurt, unfortunately. And, so you know, where is he now? He's, he's in Phoenix. He's not. Oh, he, he after, is? Uh, he tore his ACL. He's a really good player on a really good Suns team. Then he tore his ACL, and now he's coming back from that torn ACL. That's where he is. He's in Phoenix. Mm, okay. I, I'm like, like, is it really like? Did TJ McConnell go from like being a, re- a reliable TJ McConnell? I know. I'm just throwing out some names from that crappy roster. Yeah, I know. But you can name the other seventy that came through there. You know what I mean? These aren't high level players, by the way. These are all role players. That yeah, we're it, it, about. it definitely all that losing definitely screwed Jeremy Grant. They're all, all role yeah. players. Yeah, Jeremy Grant's a really good guy, really good guy to have in your team. Borderline All Stars first year in Detroit. See, I, I just agree on Tang. I think I think it's the individual player, and I think Shengun's progress is impressive. Jalen Green's progress is impressive. Like you want to see Jabari Smith Jr. hopefully get better, but there's a lot of those guys on your team that are not going to be part of your future. And like, it's just not relevant to me when assessing the core pieces there. I mean, yes, it's ugly. Yes, maybe it make more sense to play some more veterans. But at the same time, like it also makes sense to develop your youth. One of my dislikes, I'll go to this next one. I'm sick and tired of Steve Clifford wasting his time starting Mason Plumley. Plumley's 32 years old, playing 26 minutes per game. He's starting and finishing most games. You get Nick Richards, who's 24, playing under 20 minutes. Kai Jones collecting dust on the bench. I want to find out if he's actually not good. You got Mark Williams, your first-round pick, balling out in the G League, yet to play in the NBA outside of garbage time. What are you playing Plumley for? You're not a contender. Get rid of him for a team that might maybe use him. He's trying to win games. Stop. I, exactly. You're, it's like, stop it. Focus on development and competing with these young guys, though. What are you competing for? 
Are you now using the Bomba thing to it's now a, hate him? Plumley is the new Ken Birch, exactly. <laughs> and, and it's a and it's a Steve Clifford thing. He's just always trying to win every game, playing his vets. Plumley is not a part of your future. Nick Richards, Kai Jones, Mark Williams, those are the picks I mean, that they should be investing Steve, time into. That's any of those guys from that era, though. Like, I, look, exactly. You're right. Steve, hey, look, Steve Kerr's all, already, all, hey, all Steve Kerr's is, already bailed on James Wiseman. All I'm saying is sometimes playing your veterans ends up blocking the minutes of your young guys who could be getting valuable time on the court with the guys who are part of your future. Like, shouldn't, it, shouldn't Mark Williams be running some pick and roll with LaMelo Ball? Like, shouldn't that be happening on the court against an NBA defense? How is that not valuable for two, three, four years from now for those guys to build chemistry for the time when it comes the the, the moment where you're actually trying to win and compete in the playoffs? Aren't the, isn't this valuable? Like, what's well, he in the G look, League for? Look, look, dude. They just had to find somebody to coach the damn team. I know. Okay. After they got screwed with Kenny Atkinson. I know. They, just, they did. They just said, I mean, they should have called Jeff Saturday. <laughs> Congrats to him on his first win. That was big time. Uh, that was big time. Oh, my God. I love the the righteous indignation. The, the idea that nobody can stand on an NFL sideline and coach yeah. a team was beautiful. And then he, and then he beats Josh McDaniels. It's unbelievable. I loved his press conference where he kind of stood up for himself. He's a hey, dude. Yeah, he's a good cool. dude, and he's good in front of the camera. I don't yeah. know if it'll work out, but I mean, yeah, who knows? God, Bill Cowher being like it's the most disgraceful thing I've ever seen in my calm down. All right, <laughs> for goodness' sakes, guys, not that big of a deal. All right, so that was your that was your last dislike, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna give my last like. Jeez, you, 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 you love Mason Plumley, don't you, Chris? You love oh, him. And and what? Ken Birch. Zach Lowe loves Ken Birch. You love Mason, Mason Plumley. Plumley. Get him off the court. Look, I don't care Get about any of the Plumleys. I don't care about any of the Plumleys. All, all forty of them. That, that, that look, I am all for the Mark Williams thing. Look, the the better it's the absurd. Hornets are, the happier I am because I just love listening to that guy yelling. Looks like Plumley scored 18 points tonight in 31 minutes. Congrats Let's on the go! victory, Charlotte. Congrats on the victory. Career high. Yeah, congrats. It wasn't really a career high, I hope. <laughs> My last like, Kevin Love. Kevin Love. So here's a guy I'm going to highlight. So Kevin Love is in his 15th year in the NBA. And how many times do we talk about this? And we've seen it over the course of the last few decades where a guy can reinvent himself and star in his role. That's what we talk about, right? A guy that could star in his role. And he's now the sixth man on a very good Cleveland team. He's averaging 12 points, tick under eight rebounds, three assists, 62% true shooting percentage. I mean, this is a guy that's been a five-time All-Star. He's been an NBA champion. When he was on that tanking Cavs team, he's a guy that like had these horrible-looking lowlights where he just didn't care. He didn't want to be a part of it at all. It looked like, just get me out of there, but you can't get me out of here because you pay me too much. And he has truly reinvented himself into this outstanding bench role player. Um, and, man, when they get Rubio back, and they throw out there because Jetty Osmond comes off the bench for him too. Like they got some guys that come off the bench that like kind of intermingle with their starters too. And 
Love, who can knock down threes at a great rate, still get you some rebounds. I think you'd be interested to hear, amongst the cumulative plus-minus guys in the league, number one is not going to surprise you. It's Nikola Jokic. He's plus 144 so far this year. No surprise there. Number two is Devin Booker, 139. He's plus 139 on the season. Number three is Kevin Love. In the NBA, at plus 128, like he has a profound impact still in year 15. And we talk about, and we're trying to learn this with Russ, who is, interestingly enough, a college teammate of Kevin Love's, where he's trying to figure this out, how to be star in your role, um, whatever your role may be. And I have a, I have a real soft spot for any of these guys, especially, I think it's very difficult when you've been at, the top of the sport. You've been one of the best players. You've been an all-star. You've been an all-NBA guy. You've been an NBA champion. And then now you're, he's the the leftover one of the Cleveland years. Like nobody else is there. Even Larry Nance, none of them are, none of them are there anymore. He's the only one left. And yet here he is and he's been there long enough to now it's come back around and they've got this awesome backcourt and they've got, you know, this awesome frontcourt and they've got this young, budding superstar in Mobley, and then they got this sixth man, who's this guy. It's like this old school, like old Bill Walton Celtics type stuff, right? Where he could come off the bench. It's like this guy that used to be a guy that could maybe have 30 and 20 on a given night, still goes out and is mega effective. And Jokic, Booker, Love, those are the top three in the league in terms of plus minus. And, um, We've seen it happen before. Grant Hill. There's there's been other players in NBA history that have like figured it out, but it's not easy. And uh, I love it. I love it. I've always been a Kevin Love fan, and uh, to be this effective this far down the road in your NBA career is super impressive. It's amazing, truly. I mean, like he fits with either of those guys, Allen or Mobley. Pick and pop, play make, playing pretty good defense for a guy who's. What thirty four? They're almost thirty five years old. Yeah, I mean he, he yeah. he's still he still could be traffic coney, but of again, course. But he good positionally, can, look, you know, at, at this guy's just good guys at basketball, around. and he exactly. reba- and he does rebound. Well, rebounds you, too. Yeah, if you miss, he can get it. You know what I mean? And and he can stick around with fours, and he can also get down there and bat. And he's not scared to you know bang around with fives if he's Absolutely. got bang for a rebound. Post defense, you know, he hustles. He's a good he's do, basketball he's player, man. He's doing what he needs to do. He's just good at everything. You respect He really it. is. He is. Yeah. He's good at everything. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I guess your uh, last like, because I've got last, one dislike left. My yeah. last like. We might have talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I'm not positive. I don't remember. Um, the Blazers' new defense, how they re- revised their scheme. Their defense was terrible last year, 29th in defensive rating. They're top 10 this season. Last season, we saw Yusuf Nurkic hedging, blitzing on picking rolls and aggressively come out to the three-point line to disturb the ball handler. And that's just not Nurkic's game. This year, they're, they're doing something more frequently called up the touch, which is where he's coming up to the level of the screen and then dropping back to the screener. And he's doing that about double the time he did last season for the Blazers. And that's working with Nurkic, but it's also working because of all the guys we've talked about, you know, Jeremy Grant, Nasir Little, Josh Hart, 
Shaden Sharp even providing size at the wing, their rookie. And Gary Payton, the second, hasn't even come back yet. So they're doing that with Nurkic out there. But then they're switching a ton of screens when Nurkic isn't on the floor. They don't have a center on the floor at all. So they're playing these different types of schemes for different types of situations and matchups. And after what was a disastrous preseason for Chauncey Billups and the Blazers, it's just been really cool to see them you know, find something that works with different units over the course of this regular season. And they don't even have Gary Payton the second back yet, who we saw with the Warriors over the years. He can do literally anything on defense. He can defend any player. And once they plug him back in, I mean, that's only going to amplify all of the versatility that they have, whether it's Nurkic out there or whether it's, you know, a small ball five with Grant out there. It's just been very impressive to see them use their new personnel in different ways. You know, they have been, they've been one of the real surprises they have so far uh, this NBA season. It's going to be interesting to see how they fit in Gary Payton because Simons is so damn awesome and so is Lillard, right? Like, I mean, where does, who's sitting? Are you three guarding it? Maybe. Might be. I mean, Payton's, as you mentioned, such a good defender. Might depend on the night. Some nights it might be Josh Hart. Some nights it might not be. Some nights it might be Simons. Yeah, it's going to be. But uh, but I'm saying with Peyton. Yeah. Well, how do you get him in there if you got Lillard and Simons? Well, that's what I'm saying. Some nights it might oh. be Hart. You know, who, yeah. you know, takes a seat. And you never know. You ain't sitting Josh Hart. No way. Over my dead body. You're giving him the max, Chris. Over my dead body. All right, my last dislike. So I was going to do all the NBA drama. I, I want this to be a drama-free podcast. We're not even okay. going to talk about all that. Yeah. But this does, I'm just going to say this irritates me. Okay? And this is going to sound old manly. So, Kevin, they've made all kinds of different adjustments to the schedule over the course of the last several years. So I've been like, you know, now there's way, there's way less back-to-backs than there was once upon a time. Teams are stretched out. There's more days rest between these games. Um, sometimes these teams have pretty long breaks between their next game. Uh, you're seeing a lot of the played the same team twice, right? So you're staying in a city, and we're seeing like where they play against each other in a very short span of time, right? You might play them on a Friday, and then you play them again on a Sunday, and then you're done with your trip there. Um, and they've over and over and over and over, they have made these concessions to try to make this as easy as it can be. If you're going to play 82 games, okay. And I'm not going to argue about they should just play less games or whatever else, right? The, the schedule is 82 games, you're playing 82 games. Kevin, we are the most, I think the teams with the most games have played 14 as we record this. Um, you're pretty well between 12 and 14 right now, virtually every team. Of the top 10 scorers in the league, three have played in every game. We are, we're not even to the 15 game mark of the season. Luka Doncic has played in every Dallas Mavericks game. Jason Tatum has played in every Boston Celtics game. And Kevin Durant has played in every Brooklyn Nets game. That's it. Every other player on the list, Curry, Embiid, Giannis, Donovan Mitchell, SGA, John Morant, Trey Young, everybody's missed at least one, some a couple, right? We're not even to the 15-game mark 
of the season. And this is just kind of how it is now, but it does bother me. It does. You're saying the ban ban injuries in addition to load management? I don't think it's because I think that I don't think it's just injuries. It's not always injuries, right? With these guys. It's like any kind of minor thing that might be bothering them is keeping them out. I know that health has been a priority. But man, they've made a million adjustments to this schedule and we're like 15 games in. And I say this as someone who, you know, as a fan of the NBA, I feel like you're like, you know, it's like a crapshoot to buy the tickets to the game in a way that I never felt that way years ago. I'm saying if you buy tickets to a game, it's a crapshoot that like, are, are the other are the other team going to have their guys? Are guys going to play? Like you like have to check these reports like every day now. I'm sure it drives fantasy players nuts too. If you have fantasy teams, I know most people don't have like season long fantasy things, but daily fantasy people, they got to be going crazy over this. But I mean, it's like, we're not even 15 games into the season. We've had three guys that have played in every game. That's like impossible. And that's just the way it is now. Like just, nobody's going to play 82 games. You know, I was watching that thing on Showtime with uh, Kevin Garnett, and I know he's old school, and I know he's hardcore. And he's like, they pay you to play 82 games, you play 82 games. You know what I mean? And that's like how he felt. That like he was going to do everything he could to play 82 games. And now I think part of it's the teams. The teams don't expect you to play 82 games. And I'm not so sure it keeps everybody healthier anyway. That would be the other thing I'd say. I'm not so sure. You know, they've done all those studies with the minutes thing. They've done all the studies with the games thing. I'm not so sure it keeps, you know, that there's any evidence that it keeps you much healthier to be doing the stuff. I think most of the injuries end up being freak accidents anyway, not because of the wear and tear of the season. But I mean, damn, man, we're like 13 games into the season and every star player has missed one. So, I mean, if you bought tickets to go see that guy. It's too bad for those kids, you know? It sucks. Yeah, it does. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I would, like, I mean, as someone who grew up, you did too. Like, our dads took us to games. Yep. When we were kids. And it would, uh, it, I mean, it would have broken my heart yeah. if I, you know what I mean, show up and the guy I went to go see wasn't playing. Because they only, in many cases, they only come through town one time. Yep. You know? They only come through town one time. And so, I don't know. Just wanted to lament that because it's annoying to me. I got a text message, Chris, from somebody that says, you'll like this. Hmm. Shengun picked up three fouls in about 15 seconds, is getting abused by Clippers guards, and just had a three blocked. Winning basketball. Yeah, just thought that put a little smile on your face to end the podcast. Nah, just a look, man. Look, I've I've told you so many times. It's not an end-all, be-all, okay? But it's like I've told you a hundred times. If you take a kid and you put him in a bad school, there's going to be kids yeah. that can get through it no matter what. Yep. You increase the chances that, that he goes down a bad path, learns bad habits, yeah. you know, and it takes, takes it with him for the rest of their lives. Nature and nurture, right? It's good, good schools and bad yeah. schools. And yes, there's going to be kids that are so exceptional that they it doesn't matter their circumstances. They're making it out. They're going to turn into something. Yeah. But by and large, most, if you put them in, and, and 
And I don't think that Indiana is going to be there in the end. I don't think that San Antonio is going to be there in the end. But I mean, I know, and you're you're celebrating Houston for. I'm not. Like, I'm not celebrating. Yeah, I'm just you're saying, saying all time tank. No, no, like, no. Why, why no, can't I, you? It's not celebrating. It's just saying that they're investing in some of their young guys. It's not celebrating it as much as like I still like the way Jalen Green's developing. I like the way some of these young guys are developing. You watch That's them. All. It's a train wreck. I know it's gross basketball. It's the the worst basketball to watch in the league right now. And that's what I'll say about Indiana and San Antonio. Like these teams stink, but they, man, they make the most of stinking. Like they pass the ball around. They play like real basketball that you would play if you did have good players. I don't think it's a lot to expect to play like basketball like you did have good players. You know? Yeah, which is fair. And have them learning how to play real basketball. I don't. And part of that's just having veterans around, you know? Yeah. They should should hire Steve Clifford. Oh, my God. Your favorite. (laughs) How much do you love? He got LaMelo back. He did. He just got LaMelo back. He'd be starting Boban over (laughs) over Jabari Smith. You know poor Boban's on that Houston bench. I know. Oh, poor guy. Free Boban. They're going to put him on a team where he can smile. Man, you got a free Boban. Yeah. I hate seeing him like that. Get Just him sitting out at the of end there. of the bench watching losses every night. Boban's been on winners his bring, whole career. Bring, bring in some veterans, but not but not Marjanovic. Yeah. He's just sitting there. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that poor guy. He's just thinking about John Wick 4. <laughs> All right. Kevin, it's always a pleasure. I'll talk to you later this week. Thank you to our executive producer, Jesse Lopez, as always. And, uh, I'll talk to you on Friday. I'm looking forward to it, Chris, and make sure you subscribe to the Ringers NBA Draft Show. We'll be back on Wednesday, me and Jay Calumet.